Hey, this is Dr. Bruce Becker. I'm here today once again with uh, Pastor Mike Novotny, the lead speaker of Time of Grace uh, Ministry. Each uh, month we get together to talk about what's coming up on the new message series and other resources available from Time of Grace. Pastor Mike, I'm, I'm really excited about your message series coming up uh, in February. It's called Out of Context. Uh, can you give us kind of a brief overview of what the series is all about? Sure. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of depressing <laughs> at the beginning. It gets better. Uh, the series is really about the thing that all of us hate when it's done to us, but that lots of us are doing right now to God. And the thing is taking him out of context. Um, I kind of felt a little bit of this uh, nervousness and fear when I started working with Time of Grace. Um, you know, I'm blessed to do sometimes newspaper articles or television interviews. And, you know, I just know the way an interview works. You're going to talk for 10 minutes. So they're going to, you know, snip it down to like a 30 second thing for TV. And I was always afraid when I do those interviews, like, man, you could, you could take one sentence out of my 10 minute talk and make me look really dumb or <laughs> make me imply something that I was never even close to saying. And it you know, it just reminded me of the importance of context. And when you want to quote someone, um, context, context, context is so key. Um, so this series is really about, sometimes we do that to God. <laughs> he gave us this whole book. He gave us books of the Bible and chapters, but sometimes we, we just want that little snippet for a, a coffee cup or a meme or a, a nice Facebook post. And sometimes, unfortunately, we take God out of context. Well, there are four messages uh, in February. And the first one is, do not judge. So in all of your messages, you do a great job of explaining what the actual context is. Uh, for our purposes today, I'd like you to explain how people sometimes use this phrase out of context. Oh, Bruce. I was having a good day, and you had to bring this up. <laughs> yeah, this, I have to, I have to remind myself to be kind and compassionate. This one really bothers me a lot, and I think because out of context, this passage is used to say almost the exact opposite of what Jesus meant. Um, so where I hear people using this out of context is when they say, "Hey, d didn't Jesus say not to judge?" or I thought Christians weren't supposed to be so judgmental. Or, oh, you're making me feel judge. You're being kind of judgy. So, so people take that passage and kind of imply, if a Christian says that any other person is doing something wrong, or that they need to change or repent or line up their life with God's word, many people are implying that those Christians are violating what Jesus said in Matthew 7 when he spoke the words, do not judge. However, <laughs> if you'd read the context, um, you find out that's not at all what Jesus was saying. Um, Jesus judged people all the time. You and I judge people all the time, which is a really good thing. If a guy at my church is abusing his, his girlfriend or his wife or his kids and I judge him, I say, that's wrong. That's evil. I'm calling the cops. I'm going to change this. Like that is being judgmental. So yeah, I think people hijack the word and the phrase for kind of their own selfish purposes. I, I don't want you to tell me to change. 
I don't like it when you tell me I'm wrong. So I'm going to throw this back at you and claim that your Jesus said that you can't do that. Stop being so judgmental. Well, let's look at the second message, where two or three gather. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, again, explain how some people use this phrase out of context, where two or three gather. Yeah, that's Matthew 18, where Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. Um, Yeah, this is one where I think personally I've, I've used it out of context in church a ton. And here's why. Um, our church here in Appleton, the core, we have Sunday afternoon services at 3.30 and 5.30. Do you know who sometimes kicks off a piece of pigskin <laughs> at about 3.25 central in the afternoon? I've heard of uh, uh, I've heard of the team once or twice. <laughs> yeah, so we, uh, Appleton, Wisconsin is about a half hour from Lambeau Field where the Green Bay Packers play. So we have tons and tons of Packer fans. And so sometimes during those 325 kickoffs, um, needless to say, there's a couple empty chairs in church. And so when you can just feel like church isn't full, there's just a handful of people. Pastors like me love to comfort ourselves. <laughs> And those who are there with, hey, but but don't forget, Jesus said, if just two or three people show up gathering in his name, he's right there. So Jesus is here. We can celebrate today. We don't need church to be full. Which is a really good thing. I, <laughs> I think that's true. But if you read Matthew 18, that's not what Jesus is saying. Uh, what Jesus is saying is that where two or three people get together to confront someone for their stubborn sin— Jesus is right there to help them. Um, I, I think at the last church where I was a pastor, I can remember one time where another guy from church who was on our leadership team, we went to confront someone for the way that they were living. And I remember standing on the front porch just being terrified, like not wanting to ring the doorbell, hands sweating. I mean, I was right. This person was living a sinful lifestyle and Jesus wanted me to confront them and to bring someone from church to make sure I was doing it right. But I was so just terrified in that moment. And and that's, I think, where Matthew 18 is so good, where two or three gather in Jesus' name to do the work of Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the, the King of kings, the one who can give you the words. He is, He's right there. So, um, yeah, next time if church isn't full, you can find another promise to give you comfort. Uh, but if anyone listening has to confront their son for their lifestyle or their, their mother for her attitude, if there's someone you love from church that's kind of gossiping or getting drunk too much and you're scared to do that, in Matthew 18, Jesus gives a promise that he is right there to help you. And that is so comforting. Well, the third message the phrase, more than you can handle. How do people sometimes take that one out of context? Ah, yeah. Uh, you sometimes hear, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, I, I love just, I have a, a website that I use called Bible Gateway, where you can search for any word or phrase in the Bible. And if you, if you type that in there, guess how many responses will come up? The big, the big fat zero. Yeah. So yeah. Well, why do people say that? Um, I think people say that because it makes us feel, it makes us feel good. 
Um, you know, maybe I lost my job. Maybe things aren't good with my family. There's some arguments. Maybe, you know, my wife wants to separate. Maybe my kids don't want to talk to me. But God won't give me more than I can handle. So it just makes me feel like I'm going to get through this. I'm going to be okay. Uh, the context, however, th- this comes from 1 Corinthians 10, at least a, a phrase that's kind of similar. Um, that phrase says, God won't let you be tempted beyond what you all together can bear. So it's a way of saying, if you think you can't say no to sin, if you think you just have to drink, if you think you just have to, you know, be hot-headed, if you think you're always going to worry, like, I, I just know that this temptation is bigger than me, I can't say no, this is just who I am. This passage is amazing, where it says, no, no, no. God will never let you be tempted beyond what you, with the help of brothers and sisters in the faith, can handle. Um, I think of when I went off to college, um, I had a bunch of really good friends from high school. A bunch of them went to UW-Madison. And I remember one of my friends was a churchgoer. Um, he was a follower of Jesus. And yet, um, as soon as he got to Madison, he got a fake ID, like so many students from Madison do, and he started to drink before he was 21. And during one of the holiday breaks during our freshman year, uh, I remember kind of talking to him about that and just seeing, like, he knew that it wasn't right. You know, a fake ID, lying, false testimony, drunkenness, breaking the law. Like, I didn't have to convince him, hey, like, God's not cool with that. But I think where he struggled was, I, how can I say no to this? What am I going to do? Like, sit at home alone? by myself, when everyone else on campus goes out. I wish I would have known this phrase at that time in this passage, 1 Corinthians 10. I would have opened and said, no, no, no. You're facing a temptation. It's real. You're not the first one. And this is not more than you can bear. You can say no to this and honor God with your choices. Because, in context, God really won't give you more temptation than you can handle. Let's look at the last one. Plans to prosper you. Which is used a lot. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11, I think it is. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, plans to give you hope, and plans to give you a future. Bruce, didn't you tell me one time that there was like a high school graduation where they asked you to speak? Am I getting this right? And they gave you this, yep, yep. this phrase and then you were kind of stuck with what it really meant? Well, it's... Uh... I got a lot of reaction from uh, the parents when I told them that if you really want to step into the context of this passage, you're not ready to graduate from high school. <laughs> I bet you had their attention. <laughs> did they did they throw out all their Jeremiah 29:11 coffee cups afterwards? <laughs> yeah, so the the context of of this one is, is huge. So the, the verse actually starts with the word for, F-O-R. Um, for, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And that's kind of a, a little, it's a little clue when you're trying to interpret the Bible. If there's a word like therefore or for or because, it's connected to something before it. And I think it's the verse before it where God says, hey, people of Israel, I know you're in Babylon right now and you're exiled, and you're away from home. And you're going to stay there for about 70 years. Like, unpack your stuff. You're not going home. In fact, 70 years from now, most of you will be dead. You'll never see your old backyard again. You'll never see your old friends again. That That's over. 
But God goes on to say, I, I do have plans for you. And I'm going to prosper you right here in Babylon. I'm going to give you hope. And there is a future, even though you've messed up and you're away from home. So I, I think it's less this warm and fuzzy, hey, things are going to work out just like you want. You're, it's going to get, God closes a door but opens a window. It's more like saying, you know what? This situation might not get better. You might have to battle depression for the rest of your life. Um, your husband might never, you know, kind of change the way that he treats you. you. You might never have that happily ever after. Your son might not want to reconcile with you. But God says, I still have plans for you. And there is a hope for you. And there's a good future for you. So a little less warm and fuzzy, but it's real. It's helpful. And I think it's incredibly powerful. Okay, Pastor Mike, it's time for a little personal confession on my part. I have to admit that when I was a younger pastor, I was guilty of using one of these phrases out of context. I think it was okay with the other three, uh, but the, what you said about where two or three gather, thinking of it in terms of uh, worship and so on, just, just didn't hit the nail on the head. So I have to admit that. But that leads me to a question as to, got any thoughts on how this happens, that Christians take Bible passages out of context and even seminary graduates do as well? Indeed, yeah. <laughs> so you and I were pastors when we took stuff out of context. Um, let me give you two answers. One, I just think sometimes we hear things so often that we forget to fact check. You know, maybe it's the same reason why we hear something in a speech and it's like, well, you know, it's a lot of work to figure out, is that what it actually is? And so I'm just going to trust you and go along with it. So I think that's one thing. It's just, it's hard work to really properly interpret the Bible. Um, the second one, though, so when I was a teenager, my pastor had this really great illustration. He said, imagine um, that, you know, you live here and your friend lives around the block. And between your house and his house is this really big property. And there's a nice sidewalk that goes around it. But, you know, it's a long walk to get all the way around the property. So you're really tempted to cut through the grass and like get directly to your buddy's house. But my pastor said, there's a very nasty, angry, <laughs> vicious pit bull that lives at that house. And he's on a thick chain and the chain isn't long enough that he can get you if you stay on the sidewalk. So he can, he can bark, but if you stay on the sidewalk, you're going to get to your friends. It's just going to take a bit longer. So in answering your question, here's what I think happens. I think we want to get to a destination called blessing or happiness. We want God to be with us. We want him to have plans for us. We don't want to be judged or excluded. So sometimes we try to take Bible passages out of context and have like a shortcut. Um, you know, Jeremiah 29. Yes, God's going to bless you, but it's going to be a long way around. <laughs> it's going to be 70 years in Babylon. Um Yes, God is going to be with you, but it's not this warm and fuzzy Sunday morning feeling. It's when you're standing on the doorstep confronting someone for their sin. Like, it's going to be a hard walk, and I think we just want the shortcut. And so we take a Bible passage just because it makes us think, oh, there's an easier way to be blessed. I like that explanation. I really do. So I ran across a quote by Christian author Jefferson Bethke. He said this, it's kind of interesting. One of the most dangerous things about the Bible is that it is big enough to say whatever we want it to say if we are willing to remove the context. 
Any other thoughts on that? I concur. <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> that's well said, man. The the Bible is a dangerous book. Um, if a person is able to say God says blank, and then they can snatch something out of context to make it seem like God actually said that. That is incredibly dangerous. I mean, think of the wars that have been started. Think of the, think of the abuse that's been covered up. You know, th think of all the dads who have physically abused their kids and said, now you have to honor me and obey me and don't tell your mother about this or don't tell the cops about this or don't tell the pastor about this, right? They, they snatched a little snippet that's in the Bible and used it for selfish gain. Um, or how about this one? Uh, Jefferson Beth used the word dangerous. The husband is the head of the wife. Period. End of quote, right? Um, so he's the boss. Yeah, exactly. That's the conclusion. Yeah. yeah. Out of context, this turns men into selfish, opposite of Jesus, domineering, abusive, get whatever I want, and somehow make my wife think that this is what God wants. When in context... Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And he gave himself up for her. You know, in, in the context, what does it mean to be ahead? It means I have this great calling from God and I use it sacrificially to love and protect the people that God puts in my care. So, you know, out of context, when I read that at weddings, people cringe like, oh my goodness, what, what does this guy teach? But when you talk about what it means to be the head in a marriage, to be like Jesus to your wife, well, then it becomes biblical and becomes much more beautiful. Well, Bruce, I, I know we've talked a lot about these messages, but uh, I'm not sure about you, but there's so much more I'd want to share with people. Different Bible passages, connections, little verses and, and tips. So we just gave them the appetizer, but the main course they can find through listening to the messages themselves. I certainly agree. Well, thanks, Pastor Mike, for the Out of Context message series. Our uh, listeners can watch or listen to this entire series over the coming weeks uh, by going to our website, at timeofgrace.org. Uh, but wait, we're not done talking about Out of Context. We are offering a book in February called, guess what? Out of Context. But the subtitle is Eight Bible Passages Most Christians Get Wrong. Uh, the book contains uh, your four messages, but there's more. There is, Bruce. There's your four messages. <laughs> So you and I got to tag team and co-author this book, which is exciting. So um, you just asked me about Do Not Judge and More Than You Can Handle and two or three gathered together and plans to prosper you. There's four I want to ask you about, about money, about doing everything through Christ, about being still and forgiving and forgetting. So let's tackle those four uh, here. Let, let's start. Money is the root of all kinds of evil. I've heard that, Bruce. What's uh, What's wrong with that? Well, I don't want to give too much away, but uh, it is, uh, if we look at the, the context of that, we find that it isn't money, because there's a few words right in front of that that really establish the context. Uh, and it is, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Yeah, you and I are talking through a screen on a Zoom call while recording on fancy technological phones. So if having money is evil, then you and I are evil, and <laughs> almost every American is evil. <laughs> so yeah, uh, man, I, I know some, 
I know some people who have a lot of money who are not evil. Uh, they're humble and they're good and they're generous. So this passage matters a lot, I think. Can you give me an example? I'm putting you on the spot here, but what does it mean to love money? It's where you have your heart uh, that that's where your heart puts its trust that if you have money, you'll be okay. If you don't have money, you're not going to be okay. But the, the reality is, is that there's never money enough. Uh, even if you're a billionaire, uh, if you have the love of money, you're going to want more. Yeah, that's well said. Yeah, to think I'm not going to be okay if I don't have enough money. That's an evil thought that just robs me of the goodness of God's presence and his love. Yeah, well said. All right, how about uh, number two? Ooh, Philippians 4.13. This is one of the most famous, most highlighted passages on the YouVersion Bible app. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Um, Bruce, I once saw this on a banner and a bunch of high school football players coming up for the championship game and they ra- they busted right through the banner. We can do it. <laughs> we can win this game through Christ who gives us strength. Um, do you think they were out of context and should I call them to repentance? <laughs> <laughs> it is out of context. Um, my thoughts go to uh, Steph Curry, the NBA basketball player, who has really put an emphasis on this passage. And it's used so much in, in sporting uh, that, you know, I can, I can accomplish more than I even have the ability to do. And so um, the context there is, is important, um, not on what I can do by myself, uh, but on what I can do because I have Jesus uh, who gives me the strength uh, not to perform heroic basketball shots or football touchdowns, uh, but far, far higher uh, thinking uh, than just what goes on in our everyday life. Bruce, are you telling me that I can't dunk a basketball, which has been my lifelong dream? I'm so close, but I'm 40 now, and it's not through Jesus. Could I do it? Well, go for it. Keep practicing. <laughs> Keep practicing, but I... Um, I, I'll just tell you that, uh, with every year that goes by, it's going to become less and less likely. Ah, darn it. My uh, kids and I were playing yesterday. We <laughs> just taking a walk and we came across a hoop and I, I suddenly felt like I was 20 again. And then I realized this hoop is only nine feet tall. <laughs> so <laughs> I thought I was getting up there, but that was not the case. Yeah. You, you know, when I think of, I can do all things through Christ that's in Philippians four and Paul sitting in a jail cell. And in the chapter, he's talking about, you know, rejoice always, having peace that goes beyond understanding. I can be content. I could be well-fed or hungry. I could have a lot. I could have nothing. And I can do everything. So I've always thought of that passage as, listen, you can be content right now. Sitting in jail, watching Time of Grace, you can be content. And you can rejoice right now, even if you have cancer, because Jesus can give you the strength to do that. And to me, that I don't know, that's just so... That's just so much more helpful than the shallow, I can win the gold medal. Good for you. There's a lot more people who need more hope than that. And, and man, keeping in context, that passage is golden. So I can't wait to read what you read about that or what you wrote about that, I should say. Oh, how about number three? Psalm 46, I think it's verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. All I'm going to say about this one is I think I'm going to make some people disappointed. Uh, 
Bruce, a pastor's job is to make everyone happy. Why you are a failure. <laughs> this is only in context as a result of knowing what the actual context is. Because Jesus is not, or our God is not, uh, the psalmist is not talking about something that's just kind of wonderful and quiet and, you know, still and, and warm and fuzzy. Uh, he's actually speaking to his enemies uh, and telling them to be quiet, to shut up, because he's God. Wow, <laughs> that is going to be disturbing. <laughs> okay, now you you got me hooked now. That, that one especially, that got me intrigued. Yeah, isn't it, you know, I think I used the phrase earlier in our conversation and you just did, you know, warm and fuzzy. I wonder if that's what we kind of want. Just a warm and fuzzy, hot cup of coffee, nice little Pinterest post. And so much of the Bible is like sitting in prison, fighting enemies, exiled to Babylon. It's like real life. But we just want this kind of happily ever after here and now. Do, do, do you think that's why we kind of end up in that same spot? Yeah, because, you know, it's it's kind of tough to, uh, to, to really digest all the other stuff, you know, the, the jail sitting and the, the enemies of God and, and, and God is still in control and he wants to be in control. So, yeah, I think so. I know when you and I were studying theology in school, we learned this phrase, the theology of glory, which is just like a way of thinking about God where things are glorious now. It's like prosperity gospel, Name it, claim it. God wants you to be healthy, rich, free. You know, I, I think there's a connection there. Like we're really drawn to that because who, you know, who doesn't want to be healthy and happy right now? And so we kind of take all these Bible passages and squeeze them into that mold. Hmm. All right, last one for you. Oh, Bruce, don't break my heart. The phrase forgive and forget. You, you know, pastors, we love alliteration. It's like our it's our love language. Words that start with the same letter, you know, believe, belong, become. This is this is what we do. So forgive and forget. Are you going to tell me that's not uh, that's not true? It's not in the Bible. Um, and let me just say it this way: that when we think about God, He doesn't forget, but He chooses not to remember our sin any longer. And there's a difference there. All of our sins are just buried in the bottom of the sea, you know, and, and as far as the east is from the west. So, you know, uh, but we're not God and we can't forget. Um, and the idea that we can can actually cause greater pain because if I'm not forgetting it, then maybe I haven't really forgiven them. And then you get into the whole area of the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Um, and that's a whole nother topic. Uh, Bruce, um, I'm not saying this. I, I think the second half of the book is going to be better than the first. I don't know if my cha my chapters come first before yours, but that is so helpful. You always lead the way. You <laughs> the, always lead the way. The first shall be last. Jesus said that, right? Is that in context for writing books? Yeah, you know, what you said is so helpful. If If I think that I'm an unforgiving person because I can't forget what someone said to me, um, wow, what what a... You're going to enslave people with that phrase of thinking like they're not being Christians or they're not forgiving like they've been forgiven. So uh, I think all four of your chapters are going to be hugely helpful. Well, what I've done in the book is I've written a study guide for your four messages 
to try to help people walk through how you came to the, you know, the teaching that you did. And then I did that uh, the same with, uh, with mine. Um, and the goal of this is, is really to help God's people learn some skills so that they themselves can read through God's word confidently on their own and apply his truth uh, to their lives. And our listeners can get a copy of this book by going to our website at timeofgrace.org. While you're on our website, be sure to check out our store. It's got just a ton of resources, and there is a link below that I'll take you right there. Or just look for the link in the episode notes. Now, we close each month with a story or stories of people who've been blessed by God through the ministry of Time of Grace. Pastor Mike, do you have any stories this month? I do. I love stories. I don't know if everyone else gets as jacked up about uh, <laughs> stories as I do, but yeah, just seeing what God is up to. Um, actually, I took this quote. I got this email. In church the other day, there was a uh, younger Chinese man that I didn't recognize. And I kind of saw him as I was preaching. And unfortunately, I didn't see him after church was done. But I got an email soon afterwards. And here, here's what it said. Uh, it said, Pastor Mike, my name is, and forgive me if I'm not pronouncing this right, Xing Wai, X-I-N-G-W-E-I. I'm Chinese. And I've been using your online resources since 2018 when I was in China. I came to the U.S. last December for a, a graduate project, but because of COVID, my flights have now been canceled six times. So here's this guy kind of stuck in our country wanting to get home six times. Wow. Uh, while I was here, one of my favorite things to do was take a long walk at a local state park and listen to Time of Grace. I thank God for your church and for Time of Grace Visiting church, hearing the message was definitely one of the Christmas gifts I got from God this year. That so cool. is amazing. I know. I heard the background of the story too. He didn't grow up Christian. So I, I think uh, maybe a missionary that I know went to China to share the gospel and uh, was able to bring this man to faith. And now he's kind of connected to our ministry and growing and growing. I, I don't think a lot um, of people in his world are followers of Jesus. So knowing that time of grace has just given him that encouragement, whether it's here in the States or other side of the world, uh, just awesome. All right, Bruce. Thanks for that. That's all I got on my plate before I wrap things up. Any last words from you? Nope. I think we, we talked a long time today. We did. A little longer than we usually do. Do you think the producer... Hope that's okay. Will, will the producer be mad at us? Maybe she'll edit it and take us out of context. <laughs> Never... <laughs> <laughs> Never make the producer mad or they can make you look really dumb. So, <laughs> yeah. So, hey, everyone listening out there, thanks so much for giving some time to me and Bruce today. I hope you were blessed by something that we said. Uh, don't forget, we are always grateful anytime you can like and share this message. Uh, your ratings and reviews on all the podcast places helps more people hear this message, which is what we really want so more people can have more God in their lives. So thanks for listening. God bless. And we'll catch you next time.